Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Two board gamers anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. This is Chris. And this is Drew. Alrighty, welcome to the episode number thirty. Woo-hoo! Uh, Daniel can't make it this week. He is oh. out of town, unfortunately, for work. But uh, he's here in spirit, and will argue on his behalf. All right. <laughs> Anything I'll... without good rules and too many wonky situations, Daniel will automatically hate. We'll just assume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but. Uh, this week we have a special episode, um, but first things first, of course, we just want to remind you guys that we are on Twitter at BGA Podcast. We are on Facebook. Look for Board Gamers Anonymous. We are on Board Game Geek. You can just search for the Board Gamers Anonymous Guild. And uh, we have our own website, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. Lots of awesome stuff on there. Uh, plenty of articles, reviews, coverage of Kickstarter stuff. Lots of fun little things going on there. Plus a brand new um, design that we just put up in the last few weeks. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. Look. And uh, we definitely want you to stop by and check it out. Comment, give us your favorite games, argue with us. We have fun with that. All right. Uh, before we dive into the podcast proper, uh, I just want to touch back a couple episodes ago, uh, episode twenty-eight. We reviewed Lewis and Clark. A um, couple people on uh, Board Game Geek were discussing our comments about Sacagawea, and uh, noted a couple rules that we might have. Uh, messed up a little bit so i just wanted to point out that we saw your comments we've taken a look we're going to get it back to the table we'll run through it um i'm going to hold by my review i think it's still you know i don't think anything changes based on that but it's the kind of thing you don't want to mess up in a review is the rules so sometimes we learn more from you guys than you learn from us and worst case scenario, getting the rules wrong just makes it a variant. So yeah. it's, it's not so bad. It's just the Board Gamers Anonymous variant. It's and, not wrong. Yeah. It's different. And honestly, 
it's great that you guys picked up on this because it helps us play better and helps us get the word out to the community. And anytime that we have to bring a game back onto the table is awesome because that's that's a great job. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and I get to thank Daniel for pointing out to everybody on Board Game Geek that I was essentially drugged when I read the rules to this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. Uh, I don't like to fly, so if I'm going on a trip, expect some wonky rule reading. Um, <laughs> fortunately, I got home before I read the rules to myth. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll get that one back out. I still enjoy it. Daniel's got my copy, but when he gets back, we're going to play. All right, that sounds great. And uh, in the future, check out our guild on Board Game Geek. We always love hearing from you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in other news, I know Drew had a couple things he noted. Uh, Just some things I happen to see in the last couple last couple days. Um, because I've been paying a lot of attention to Wizards of the Coast and their upcoming release of Dungeons & Dragons, um, the version 5, the retro version. Um, they came out with an updated uh, character sheet. It may seem like a small thing, but you know, if you're going to relaunch to the general public and try and get them involved, this is an important step. And they did retail or retool the character sheet to make it more accessible. Um, and in fact, to, to pull the game away from the old hack and slash, okay, I have this armor and these weapons, and more toward creating characters, creating campaigns. Um, we're we're going to have a link to it on our uh, show notes. But uh, you got to see this because it really gives you a chance to, to develop a character that you grow close to and like. And I think families and friends are going to enjoy playing this, hanging out together. Um, I also came across something that I know um, Anthony's going to be interested in. Uh, Wild Miniatures? Word Miniatures. I, I don't know this company, but you do, I'm sure. W-Y-R-D. I always think of Wild. Um, Word Miniatures is holding a painting contest. Um, that, uh, you know, I kept looking for when that is expiring, but we're going to have a link to that also, word-games.net. Um, so everyone loves painting their miniatures. Everyone who loves miniatures loves painting their miniatures. <laughs> say. Yeah. <laughs> Careful with that statement. I don't. I just uh, dip mine in a, a you know bucket of paint, and that's it. That's painted. Most people I know don't even like the fact that they're unpainted. So, I get excited. I buy a game with unpainted miniatures for no reason other than I get to paint them. Drew, Drew actually takes the uh, Easter egg dye and just and <laughs> dip them in three colors. And that's <laughs> it. Yeah. You know, no, I got to admit though, um, Robo Rally is really hard to play because all those little robot guys—they look all alike. Yes, I can see why painting them would be would make sense. Okay, valid point. Um, and then there were two things in the news, literally in the news that uh, concerned board gamers, and I thought it'd be interesting for everyone to know, especially because, um, well, NPR, that uh, bastion of common sense and good living, uh, yesterday morning, uh, from where we're sitting, June 25th, actually, Morning Edition, had a four-minute bit called Move Over Video Games, Board Games Aren't Dead Yet. Now, that comes on the heels of, um, I think you reported on a New York Times article. yes. That was about how long ago? Just a couple of weeks? Just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so there is a renaissance, a resurgence here if the New York Times and NPR and all these other groups are saying um, there's a resurgence. So we'll have a link to that for you. You can listen to it. But they also have the, um, the transcript available. And then I just today, earlier today, saw a um, YouTube video from The Verge. It's a tech vlog. And they did... Uh, one of their more recent ones was top their top shelf series, Tabletop Gaming in the Digital Age. 
again, showing the, the state of modern tabletop gaming. Um, through basically the first half was an interview with a couple of people from Hasbro, and we think of them as old-fashioned, old-world gaming, but they're, they're trying to keep up to date, um, not just on the tabletop, but uh, digital too. And they also talked about a couple of Kickstarter projects and how that's such a large part. So it's in the news. It's uh, on the Internet. Tabletop gaming is becoming fashionable again. It's normal. Well, this uh, The Verge um, was interesting. They, um, they showed this new... Um, oh, what's the, what's the game of it? Um, game of Phones. And they used that as an example of modern gaming. Um, it was fund- funded on Kickstarter, but it was a um, social gaming involving your phone. So it was on a tabletop. Uh, you draw a card uh, that would say, okay, look up something on the Internet. So everybody would be on their cell phones looking it up. And then they would lay it on the table, and the judge would look at all their what they found uh, and decide. So interesting way of tying in the modern social gaming yeah steve jackson games is coming out with a hipster dice which is literally one die and you're and supposedly the game is too cool for you and the whole game is basically rolling the die it shows an image of either like movies or books or things like that and then you have to run to your phone and um supposedly make up some sort of like oh there's this great band it's called so and so and then someone has to either call you on it saying that you're lying and if they do call you on it you gotta show on your phone that it's actually legitimate but I think what we're seeing is and especially in the millennial generation is that technology and texting and communication has gone so far to this very abrupt just a few letters you know that now social gaming, tabletop gaming is coming back because we've so disconnected. Even the fact that we have these great technology where we can connect to everybody, we barely know anybody. We barely have these relationships. And as we know, because clearly we're gamer hipsters at this point, um, <laughs> social gaming, tabletop gaming lets you build these relationships. And yeah. you know, and this is really what people need to kind of in, you know engage with. Not that just kind of like, you know, you are in a bunch of consonants on a text or, you know, on a headset just yelling and screaming at somebody <laughs> or some, you know, some pre-established statements that you could click on on Hearthstone or something, but actually sitting down and engaging with people. So, turns out we're cool, I guess. <laughs> Pretty incredible the way they're tying That's it. happening. <laughs> you know, um, in a bit about Hasbro, they uh, got a little bit into this, this new My Monopoly thing that they're doing. Where people can personalize Monopoly sure. set. And again, it's all done online. And it's all done through Google. And you, you pick streets near you. And you can print out oh, that's nice. the actual pieces to put on the board oh. for your streets. Very nice. And you can print out pictures from Google Maps, really? I guess. And yeah, so <laughs> tabletop and social media, they're all coming together. And that's that other part, too, where this generation and is really used to getting things individualized for them. You know, you have your own phone, you have your own Twitter account, yeah. you have your own YouTube channel. So why not have your own game? It should be based upon you, not That's just it. some old 1910s, you know, commerce capitalism society. I want my street. And now you can have your street because there are satellites and they're watching us. Yeah. It creeps me out a lot. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't think I, I like no. that. <laughs> think of this. I can envision Flashpoint where instead of a generic 
you know, house and neighborhood, you can have your neighborhood, your house transposed, and you can set your house on fire. I don't well, have a problem with that. My problem is if somebody else oh. has a copy of my house that they're playing fire with or Monopoly in my neighborhood. I don't know if I like that. If Anthony's going to burn down his house, <laughs> he wants to make sure it's in his game, not somebody else's That's game. It. We're all, but we're also looking at 3D printers at some point oh becoming God, yeah. you know, commercial grade and, and affordable. So you could print out miniatures that match you and your family and friends. They, they, I was at Coney Island. They, they have their little um, sideshow museum mm-hmm. thing there uh, in Coney Island, and they had a 3D printer there, and they would print out a likeness of you, a little... Sure. And you could do that. We could all have little miniatures made <laughs> of us that we could use in our own games. Don't like it. <laughs> What's the point? Like The point is to, like, to escape your life and get into this fantasy world, and why do you want to be yourself? <laughs> A fantasy version of yourself. Fantasy version. Super Anthony. Yeah, right? (laughs) That's like, I have a Nintendo, the the Wii U, and you can play, like, as your little me character in all these games. I'm like, why would I play as myself when I could play as Mario or Yoshi in Mario Kart? I don't understand. Because you win. Mario doesn't win. You win. I want to be Mario. That's the fantasy element. I know where I know where we're going technology-wise, but I'm getting old fast, and I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> Dang kids, rock and roll music. Get off my lawn. You know, as long as it's that's when you have that's when you hit those big uh, <laughs> the big three zero, huh? Yeah, right. Oh. A kid's not even old enough to annoy me yet, and I'm like, <laughs> Skrillex in your music. <laughs> well, as long as it's fun, I'm in. I'm along for the ride. It's a good attitude. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than this old fuddy-duddy. <laughs> well, that's what I found late uh, this week. All right, cool. Um, all right, well, speaking of fantasy games, uh, we have a special episode this week. Um, we are not lucky enough to go to Origins and talk about all the hot games mm. that came out or were announced or discussed or whatever at Origins. I'll let all the other guys talk about that. A certain podcast network that we're in had a big presence there. Um, so it was covered. We covered it. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. part of the network, we, you know, like we, our con- colleagues. Somebody had to watch the house. Yep. And, you know, we drew the short straw, and that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. while we were watching, yeah. we came up with an awesome idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> while we were watching the World Cup, we came up with an awesome idea. Exactly. <laughs> so what we're going to do, and this is an awesome idea, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, is the World Cup of Fantasy Tabletop Games. Uh We've chosen eight number one seeds, which we'll reveal one group at a time. We've seeded them in eight separate groups with 24 other games. We have 32 games facing off for the title of World's Best Fantasy Tabletop Game. And we're going to run through those. We're going to argue over them. We're going to fight. We're going to hopefully not bite each other. (laughs) Ooh, Suarez. I promise nothing. (laughs) It's dirty, man. Uh, And we'll just determine which of these is the best fantasy tabletop game in the world according to the three of us uh from the games we played uh excluding anything we don't like that's legitimate i think so <laughs> who else is doing it look Who's everybody everybody else went to origin they left us at home with the games we're gonna do it all right all right so let's get started with the first of eight of our groups and uh, if you're not familiar with the world cup seating system it's basically four teams play together in a group. They each play each other once six total games. The two teams with the top points go on to the round of 16 elimination 
uh, mode. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing with the games, and then we're going to run them off in a bracket of 16 until we have one game left. So the first group, group A, is number one seed, Mage Knight the board game, and then we also have Shadows over Camelot, Small World, and Myth. So rather than listing off six matches, we're just going to kind of have a free-for-all. Which is the best? Go! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to start off, and I'm, and I'm going to back Small World from Days of Wonder. I own this game. I own Underground. I own all the expansions for this. And it's one of my first games in coming into the tabletop hobby. And what I really love about this game is it's quick, it's easy, it has practically, with the expansions, every fantasy race you can possibly imagine. And then in addition, you not only get to play a fantasy race, but you get to add randomly a special ability. So, fantasy race with a special ability, that race goes into decline, you pull up another fantasy race, and it's area control. It's wonderful, it's fun, it's fast, it plays with everybody. Small World is a great game. I like Shadows over Camelot because it's it's a cooperative game, and I like my fantasy cooperative because I think that's the essence of a fantasy story. It's not a solo adventure. You're with other people. I was raised in the Dungeons and Dragons world. So it's, so it's basically dangerous to go alone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you always had people. Um, used to read Fafford and the Grey Mouser, if I'm pronouncing his name right. All those stories, these adventurers, they go together. They have a companion. They have some other rogues with them. You have to have a group with you, and I think a cooperative game like Shadows Over Camelot gives you that feeling like we're all in this together, guys. Let's do it. Great game. All right. So I've not played either of those games, but I've heard they're all right. Um, <laughs> uh, my two games in this group are Mage Knight the board game, which, to be fair, I have not actually played with other people yet. So ah, okay. I'm basing this off of a solo play. but Which it does play solo. It does play solo. It plays yeah. solo very well, actually, hmm. um, if you like solo games, which... I apparently do. So <laughs> this is one of the, I think it's number 10 on Board Game Geek right now. Um, it's based on an old miniatures game, but it's not even close to the same kind of thing. It just uses the characters. But it's this hybrid exploration, deck building, area control style game. Uh, there's like 40 different mechanics going on here, and yet it all flows together extremely smoothly. It builds this very epic, uh, evocative fantasy world around you, and it's fun to explore it. You never know what you're going to come across, and you never know how, how long you're going to survive <laughs> <laughs> while exploring. Um, which brings me to the other game on the list that I added is Myth. And we reviewed this on episode 27, and this one is, well, as Chris said, it's your box of fun. It's this big open fantasy world. It's a tabletop RPG-style board game. If you want strict rules that tell you how to play a game, it's not Myth. It's, people compare it to Descent. I don't think that's even remotely fair because it's not the same kind of game. It is a dungeon crawl with many, many open source, basically, mechanics. Um, and you kind of put your own adventure together. I have not played this as much as I'd like to, but I did have a lot of fun playing it, and I think that's a, I think it's a solid choice. I don't know. To me, it's like Risk, you know, fantasy Risk. You it's like just, Risk. <laughs> yeah, but it's... <laughs> I just want little cubes, wooden cubes. That's all I want. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're going to end up having a lot of Meritrash on this list. It is a fantasy games list. So yeah. There are not going to be too many Euros for you to choose from. And the idea of this list is really, there's so many different things, and we're obviously comparing apples to oranges as far as mechanics yeah. go. Yeah. But what makes a great fantasy game? Does the game itself 
really invoke that fantasy theme, whatever that fantasy theme may be to you. Yeah. So, that in mind, uh, I'm going to say, let's each pick two out of this list, and then we'll see which ones get the most. Uh, I'm going Mage Knight and Myth. Small World and Shadows Over Camelot. I'm going to go Small World and, hmm, it's a pretty tough one because they, they all do have something special about them. I'm going to go Myth. Woo, we got the upset myth. in Group A. Yeah. Mm. I think Box of Fun, you know, just seeing all the components in there definitely gives it a little bit of an edge. All right. So Small World and Myth moving on from Group A. You guys like it because there's just miniatures in it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Do you have a problem with that? (laughs) Well. Shadows over Camelot has miniatures, too. I I do like Shadows. I do like Shadows, and it was one of the games that I put on the list as well. The problem with that game is not the game itself, but the mechanics of the game is just trying to either meet a certain number or meet you know try to accomplish certain areas and right. it's i don't really feel the board is beautiful the artwork's beautiful i love Arthurian legend but i'm not getting a feel that i'm actually you know this mythological character or creature of some type well it's not an rpg no it's light it's light all right it's a theme uh group b in group b we have this might be our group of death honestly <laughs> we have war of the ring the game of thrones living card game Avalon, Resistance, and Lords of Waterdeep. So I don't actually know which of these I'm going to pick. I'm going to let uh, one of you guys go first. This is a rough list. Um, so much pain here. Let me start off with uh, Avalon. I had a chance to play this last week. And Avalon slash Resistance has a lot of great components to it. So you're playing Arthurian Legend. So when you play an Avalon, you get this random character handed to you. It's either good or evil. And it's matching the characters of that Arthurian Legend. What's really great about this game is not just the traitor mechanic, but the fact that each of the characters, the special characters, have special abilities that really do match the fantasy world. So if you get Merlin, you actually get to know who is evil just like Merlin always had this great wisdom, but you have to be careful because Morgana and there's other characters there too who could kind of take you out during the game. So it's got a nice fantasy theme to it. Hmm. The um, Lords of Waterdeep is a game I've enjoyed. I know, Chris, you've enjoyed it too. Yep. Um, Me too. And you, I've <laughs> never sat down. Have I sat down with you to play that? I don't know. I don't know if I have. But so I guarantee I like it. All right. <laughs> And yet, I I think of it as just a generic worker placement game, a great worker placement game, but I don't see where that's essential. The fantasy is essential to it. Um, whereas the game I like from from this bracket is the Game of Thrones uh, card game, um, be, because I loathe the board game. And this <laughs> this gives you a lot of variety, a lot of interest, um, choices to make, uh, a little bit of diplomacy action, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, the Lords of Waterdeep argument, we would not be the first or last people to have this argument about the theme of that game. Mm. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I, I feel like if you read all the flavor text and really got into the story, or if you knew it already, it could be a strong fantasy entry. If you don't, if you're just like, I'm going to sit down and play this game, it plays like a straight-up Euro, you know, boring little cubes. Yeah. Pretty, you know, you're purchasing resources by placing little dudes on the thing and then... But to be, quests, so. Yeah, exactly. But to be fair, it does have the flavor text on the cards. 
the locations on the board do match Dungeons and Dragons, and it, it does have historical content to it. The way in which you actually need, when you look at the missions, right? So let's say you have this piety mission, and you're going to take out this vampire coven. Um, you're going to need to send clerics there. It's just not any random cube. You need to send clerics because yep. you're fighting undead. You got to send some clerics in there. But I am not reading text. I'm just thinking I need this particular colored cube and I need that particular yep. colored yep. cube. That's all it is. Sure. Yeah. Like if if you have a chance, go listen to Secret Cabal's recent review of Yido. Sure. And they talk about this where that game it just drips with theme and Lords of Waterdeep does not. But Lords of Waterdeep might be a better game. Or at least a couple of them said that. I haven't played Yido, but I like Lords of Waterdeep a lot. I just don't know that I'm going to pick it as one of my top fantasy games. I think a fantasy game has to, I mean, to be a champion, it has to have, fantasy as a vital part of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so the last one on the list in the group here is War of the Ring. This is the top seed. War of the Ring, uh, if you have not seen or heard of War of the Ring, it is literally the War of the Ring. There's the Free Peoples versus the Shadow. You know, this massive, massive board, which is basically the size of two full-size boards put together um about 200 miniatures almost all of them on the board at once multiple different mechanics multiple ways to win chris and i played this last weekend for the first time and it was very tight the entire way through the game um very asymmetrical play too which is very cool so it ups the replayability to swap sides um having only played this once and maybe three quarters of another time by myself uh and then the miniatures of course this is probably one of my new favorite two-player games. If it didn't take three hours, I would probably play it constantly. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. So that's the epitome of a thematic board game. It just feels like you're in Lord of the Rings. And I should also mention that this game is not only on Board Game Geek's Top 100 once, but twice for its collector's edition. Hmm. Yeah. And the artwork is amazing for this Incredible. game. Yeah. And you really do feel... This is not... If you've never played this game before, or if you're if you're new to like kind of Lord of the Rings, you're always thinking, oh, the movie, yeah, I want some movie image. Beautiful, beautiful artwork on these cards. And you really do feel like you're actually doing something. You're actually causing this battle to take place, or you move... You really do... It does invoke that fantasy feel. Now, the problem I have with this... Um, I'm a Tolkien freak, and to me, it's canon. It can only be one way. And I've really rejected just about any game um, based on his books because it. I just can't see how you can successfully create a game that changes or, or leaves up in the air something that's written in stone that you already know what's going to happen. Um, that's like I, every game ever made, though. Like, they're all historical based. Sorry. Sauron can't win. He can't even have a chance to win. That, that destroys the whole point of the quest and why this is such a great book, a great series of books. Uh, I think you've got to play it, man. It, just, it really plays out like the book. It really does. It's yeah. close until the end. It's nail-biting. And the way the Shadow wins, if they win, is exactly how they would have won had they won. You know how I like my Tolkien? Is, um, it old, is an old, old series of campaigns uh, for Dungeons and, Dra- Dungeons and Dragons um, based on different parts of the, uh, the books, Mirkwood and things like that get down and dirty as as the characters themselves but i've never i never got into these other board games it's just fair enough fair enough yeah all right um your game of thrones living card game we talked about it briefly it's like half of our episode three um <laughs> i think we all agree that game is awesome it's 
way too complicated to explain in detail here, but it's, it's a living card game. It's two players or four players. It's You play as a different houses in the Game of Thrones, but it's based on the books, not the TV show. That's the one thing I want to say because I know people have picked this up thinking <laughs> they're going to see Peter Dinklage and all the other people from the show. That's not who you're going to see. It's artwork, original artwork. There could be spoilers if you haven't watched everything. Just fair warning. Um, all right, so... War of the Ring, Game of Thrones, Living Card Game, Avalon Resistance, Lords of Waterdeep. Pick your two. I'm still going to have to go with Lords of Waterdeep because it is an awesome worker placement game and Game of Thrones. Okay. I'm going to go for War of the Ring. I don't think you get more thematic than when you throw an out token there, especially the original artwork. And I'm going to go for uh, Game of Thrones, a Living Card Game because the artwork is so beautiful and you really do feel like you're playing one of the houses in this game all right um war of the ring for sure that's that's a must for me but i'm actually i'm leaning towards lords of Waterdeep myself i'm not sure instead of game of thrones come on it's i love i would if you put both of them in front of me i would probably almost always say lords of Waterdeep. not really? as fantasy but just as the game to play it's the game i'd want to play of those two um which one's more fantasy for you yeah. Which really kind of gives you the fantasy theme. Yeah, I guess Game of Thrones does it better, but Game of Thrones just it feels like I'm reading the books, which is great, and that's a fantasy world in its own right. But but it breaks the link with the TV show, which is important. I think it sets you apart from that, where you can explore the fantasy element even more. All right, and not be tied to TV. You sold me. Game of Thrones, living card game. Moving on. All right. Woo-hoo! All right. Uh, group C. This is another tightly contested group if only because the number one seed is magic the gathering and this is one of the core games of modern gaming period mm-hmm. um the 20 year old juggernaut we also have dungeon the board game the recent released fifth edition which bastardizes the artwork and battle <laughs> <laughs> uh, lore 2.0 uh, a game that was very recently updated from the original rules and made much better I think. And then Tales of the Arabian Nights, which is very much a fantasy game, but not in the way most of these are. It's not that Western style of fantasy. So it's it's a fun diversion. So um, I'll go ahead and take Battle or 2.0 here and just start there, because that's probably one of my favorite games of the year thus far that we reviewed. Um, it takes an excellent Battle Lore system that uses the Command and Color system, and it streamlines it to the point that you can play a quick two-player miniature combat game in about 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, high replayability, they're definitely going to expand it. Uh, it's based on Terranoth, so if you know Descent or Runebound or Rune Wars, same characters, same world. Uh, fantastic miniatures, uh, just an all-around awesome game, and a really strong entry in the fantasy canon. So let me jump in there and, and uh, represent for Dungeon. I had the opportunity to play this game, and when you look at it, it's a $20 game. It seems like the thinnest box possible, and you're basically playing um, one of these different, you know, kind of typical D&D classes. And it's a dungeon. And it's kind of laid out in this large board. And you're going to different areas in the dungeon. And obviously, the deeper you go, the more dangerous it is. And the more dangerous the creatures are you're going to fight. And you have these little kind of, at least the version I played. Not the new cartoony version, which just is just Ooh. a nightmare. I mean, and you know me. I'm always up for... You know, a nice kind of friend, family-friendly kind of, you know, Dungeons and Dragon, you know, Dell, but not this. This, no, 
no, artwork new, bad. Now, the original one was great because you really do feel like your character. Your character does have those special abilities. You are fighting a lot of different fantasy monsters in this. And it plays really quickly, but it plays nice. It does play like a Dungeons & Dragons type of adventure. And it's so surprising to see from such few components. It's a good game. You know... (laughs) I'm just going to strike Magic the Gathering and Battle or off right away. Those are battle games. Um, and especially, you see MTG kids, they're... I'm not, a, I'm not a collectible card game guy, okay? <laughs> but to just see them, kids who play this game religiously, it's just a strategy game to them. It's really all it is. They know all the numbers, all the powers of each card, and... It's not like watching Pokemon on TV when it's all big fantasy. I give you this monster and that monster. No. Um, so Dungeon, Dungeon's a classic. I like it. Liked it when I was younger. Um, and Tales of the Arabian Nights, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stomp for that. Because that's the essence of what fantasy is. It's a storytelling. It's Scheherazade. It's creating a whole world. And if you get into the storytelling aspects of games like Gloom, is another good example. Um, Betrayal and House on the Hill. Um, you can have a lot of fun with it. And what was that? There was another one. Um, anyway, um, you're, you're creating a whole world around you. And, and the components are just awesome in that game. <laughs> and it has just, a very much uh, choose-your-own-adventure type of mechanic to it. So you face this you know, wanderer, what do you do? You chase him, you fight him, you offer him some money, and then something crazy happens. So it really does... We typically tend to think of fantasy as the Tolkien kind of universe, but fantasy around the world. And this really does kind of give us a nice fantasy theme to it. So this is a tough group. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm going to... Magic, man. That ate up too much of my money when I was a kid. (laughs) Um, See? See? And it's got a really strong background of lore. There's a lot of story there. They're talking about making a movie out of it. Sure. It's a lot of great characters. I played the game for five years, and I don't remember a dang character in the game. Because like you said, it's a strategy game. You don't care. You don't pay attention. So I don't think, while it could be thematic, if you care and read it, I never did. I don't know a lot of people who do. So you're saying like the gameplay itself isn't doesn't invoke... No. no. I don't good artwork. So. Yeah, beautiful artwork and beautiful backstory. And there's a lot of novels that go with it, too, that are great. But I just, I don't know, I don't feel it. Um Dungeon's great. If you have a chance, stop by somewhere and see if you can find that fourth edition before they purge it and you have to mm-hmm. buy the fifth edition. I actually picked it up because right. I know they're, they're going to dump it soon. So um, I don't want that new one. And it's like 20, bu- <laughs> it's like 20 bucks. 20 bucks, yeah. For 20 bucks, one. and you're going to get a great game out of that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go okay. with Dungeon and Battle Lore. Those are the two in this group that I, uh, I enjoy the best that I feel the strongest fantasy-wise. I'm doing Dungeon. I, I, you know, looking at the, the box, looking at the game, it doesn't seem to be the type of game where you're like, yeah, this is going to be great. This is good. It doesn't look that way. But when you play it, it really does invoke that kind of fantasy theme. Now, ma- Magic. I was, I dabbled in Magic. Can I say that? Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, it never really drew me in, as Drew was saying. It. I think because the mechanic is so hard as far as battling is concerned and the mathematical kind of formula of, of the mana you need to tap in order to do this, that, and the other. Great game, but for me, I'm going to have to go with Tails. Just because playing that game, while it does cr- absolutely crazy things to you, and it doesn't <laughs> seem like you could make a right choice on any good day of the week, 
<laughs> like, there's a beggar. I'm going to give him money. <laughs> he curses you. He turns out to be a drag. No, that's terrible. You see another beggar. What do you do? You hit him over the head. Turns out to be a real beggar. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. it does really give you that fantasy theme where anything could happen at any moment. <laughs> I know. It, they, you have like a dozen different choices in any given situation, but then there's that plus minus die which sure. could anything could happen on it so there there's too much of an element of randomness sure. but still it's pretty cool to be able to choose between a dozen different things not knowing how it's going to turn out all right so group c dungeon and tales of the arabian nights yeah. moving on group d this is where we have a lot of one word names uh descent <laughs> i guess we could throw a second edition in there oh yeah absolutely uh yeah ascension and I'm just going to say Ascension. I know there's like four versions of the game now, but let's stick with the base game. Sure. Talisman. And there's a million versions for fourth that, Fourth edition. Yeah. We'll say fourth edition base. And then Defenders of the Realm. All right. Um, out of this group, I'd say I know Ascension best. Ascension, you know, it's a deck-building mm. game. It's uh, Basically, there's a home row. You buy cards out of it. There's two resources. You're either going to pick up, you know, magic cards and heroes that are going to have various effects or you're going to do battle with various monsters on the board. The goal being to get the most points by the end of the game. When the points run out, the pool runs out. Game over. Um, very much similar to Dominion, very much similar to all those other deck builders, but really kind of takes it and themes it thickly with the fantasy world. Um, definitely feels like it. And the various expansions, which are standalone, which is awesome, which I think is a must with a deck builder because otherwise it gets crazy. Um, the various expansions all take that same theme and build on it in their own way. Um, got the artwork issue, meh, but, <laughs> you know, the world itself is very consistent. I like it. Um, um, I do love Ascension much more than Dominion. Dominion is just a card game. You're turning over cards and trying to get more cards and whatever. Ascension, and I think what makes it set apart is um, how it categorizes all the cards into mechanical and what are the different... You really have to understand the different monsters, their natures, um, understand the weapons that you have and how they affect certain monsters. Um, it draws you more into the fantasy world, so you have to pay more attention and to one of what the, you're doing. One of the first deck-building games that I played, after, right after Dominion Ascension kind of popped out to the scene and really grabbed everyone's attention, the artwork and the creatures were unique. Now... For me, the artwork is unique to the point where I don't like the artwork, but it's <laughs> but it really does have its own world and universe kind of there, so I can respect it from that point of view. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll also jump in and uh, you know speak up for uh, Defenders of the Realm. This is a Richard Lanius game, and it is the game because if you've never played this game before, it's very much like Pandemic as the mechanics. So you are one of and it has expansion, so you are one of these different adventurers, and each adventurer has its own little sheet, so you could be this special dwarf, or you could be an eagle rider, or a paladin, and just a number of different characters, and great male and female representation. And in this game, you are defending the realm, so you start off at the castle, and there are four different generals. So there's, there's the dragon, there's the undead, and the orcs, and so forth. And just like Pandemic, you're pulling cards and you're seeing where the darkness spreads and these little characters keep coming on the board and kind of spreading across the kingdom and creating darkness. And unlike Pandemic, 
your individual character can do so many different things and are very thematic. So the wizard can teleport around the board, throw fireballs to take out large number of characters. So it has a lot of feel. When you play this game, you really do feel like you're playing a fantasy game. And like Pandemic, it's cooperative. So yes. that's an essential part of a great fantasy game. Meh. <laughs> Anthony likes to go alone. Despite you, you, the... you cut me off before I could say, for me. There you go. There's the part that matters. Uh, um, other two games on this list, Talisman, the classic. I, I don't really like Talisman, but I did put it on the list. Um, you got to have Talisman on the list. I don't know, man. It's like a love-hate relationship. I have had fun with it. I've also had a horrible time with it. So... It's the kind of game that if everybody's playing and there's food out and beer, I'll play and probably have a decent enough time hanging out with people, but I'm not going to go out of my way to play it and I probably will never own it. Um, you think it's a drinking game? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's it's the Monopoly of fantasy the, games. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gla- I'm glad wow. I've never played it. <laughs> uh, so that's Talisman. Uh, Descent, another game, well, the one game on this list I haven't played, uh, but had to be put it on the list because it's kind of the... At least if you're going to say big, regularly expanded game from Fantasy Flight's library, uh, you know, this is one of the ones. This is It's not your typical dungeon crawl. You've got your overlord versus the group mechanic. Um, everybody knows about that one, but it's, you know, they find fun ways to make a difference. Heavily story-based, um, trying to turn somehow the idea of a role-playing game and a dungeon master into a board game, which nobody's perfected yet. No, but hasn't happened. Seems to be one of the favorites out there, so it's on the list. Okay, so I'm going to start off then this time. I have to go for Defenders of the Realm. It's just it's so it has so much theme to it, and the gameplay is solid. And as Drew said, it really is that cooperative kind of like we're going in as a guild, we're going to save the world kind of situation, mm-hmm. and not just hey, we're going to take out some monsters. We're saving the realm, yeah. and that's really yeah. fantasy. And then I'm also going to back up Ascension. Now. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably shocked because I am not a fan of that artwork. And yeah, I mean, I, but it really does have its own universe. The characters, the creatures are very unique. And when you see that game out there, you know that it's a fantasy game. There's no, there's no, there's no questioning that at all. Okay, let's cut and paste some of the artwork from Magic the Gathering and put it on the Ascension card. Yes, oh, I would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Mash right. up. That'd be a project. It's not even a mashup. All you need is tape. Yeah, that's it. Tape up. Uh, Drew, what do you think? I'm just going to agree with... I, I know we're supposed to you know, be butting heads, but no, nah, on this one I agree with Christopher. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you guys on Ascension. Um, I know it doesn't matter because you both agree on Defenders of the Realm, but... <laughs> I don't like. I don't tend to like cooperative games very much. I have not actually played this, but just the way you describe it, I'm not sure I would actually enjoy it that much. Uh, I'm gonna go with Descent because if there's two games I haven't played, I like what Descent sounds like because at least there's a possibility I could be the Overlord <laughs> versus Defenders of the Realm, which sounds like Pandemic, which I'm not a very big fan of. So I'm gonna go with Descent. They're still knocked out, but they got a point. All right. Uh, moving on, Ascension and Defenders of the Realm. All right, Group E. We're moving on to Group E, and this is the other big elephant of the room game, number one seed, Dungeons & Dragons. I know that we're kind of pulling one random RPG out of the group, but if you're going to pick one, it's got to be mm-hmm. D&D. Um, sorry, Pathfinder fans. got to be D&D. Aww. Uh, <laughs> uh, other games on the in this group, Smash Up, Discworld, Ankh-Morpork, and Munchkin. This is, to me, the group of death. There's some tough ones here. 
uh, it's Discworld. Come on, you know, a, a great <laughs> Discworld game, and this isn't—it's not even going to make it out of this group. I know that. Probably not. Um, so D and D, obviously, um, but it's got to be retro D and D, classic D and D, for me, and Munchkin, because I think we need to have one light fantasy game here and munchkin has consistently fit the bill with uh, being able to laugh at all the other fantasy games out there well i'll cover the other one then smash up so you're smashing two decks together they can be zombies they can be ninjas they could be at this point they could be practically anything so um and then you're going to play the cards out there and you're going to try to capture bases so it has a lot of fantasy theme depending on what you're throwing together, yeah, but it could yeah. be sci-fi. It could be other things as far as that's concerned, too. Zombie ghosts. It could yeah, be zombie like ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so it has a lot, of, a lot of feel for that. Yeah, I mean, D&D is the obvious one. I love me some old-fashioned D&D. Second edition, third edition. We'll yeah. see about the new one. Fourth edition, we'll pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> um, uh, you can even throw Pathfinder in there. They're using the D20 rule set, so... Whatever. Um, <laughs> I do love Dungeons and Dragons, so that's an obvious one for me. Of the other three, nothing really stands out. Um, I like Smash Up. I don't feel that it's like a strictly fantasy game. It's like an all-genre kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be anything. Um, just as much sci-fi as it is fantasy. I have not played Discworld. I want to. It's a good one. You'll like I it. love those yeah. books. Yeah. Like, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. And Munchkin, it's not a bad game. I don't dislike it, but it's not one I like go for either. So, for me, it's, I don't know, a coin flip in here. Uh, I want to try Discworld, so I'm going to say Discworld. Well, Terry will be really happy with your help out there. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with his 52 books making millions of dollars, <laughs> yeah. I think he's fine. He's <laughs> he's, gonna... Right now he's listening, and he was just holding yeah. on, and you just made his day. <laughs> <Not> my park! <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there. It has to be Dungeons & Dragons, whether it's a Pathfinder or any other version, it's D&D. And just because you got to have D and D, you got to have the lighter side of it, and it's got to be Munchkin. Mm-hmm. Because every every single fantasy trope you can think of, Munchkin has attacked it. Um, even Santa Claus, he's fantasy, and, <laughs> he's and he rips Santa Claus apart. It's it's great. All right, you guys are colluding. This isn't fair. Shh. No. <laughs> Picking the same games every time, guys. Uh huh. <laughs> I thought you liked Smash Up, Chris. Come on. I do like Smash Up, but Munchkin does it better. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next group. <laughs> Great, Group F. Moving on to Group F here. Um, number one seed here is Summoner Wars. We picked this a while back as our number one two-player game. I still hold to that. It's also one of my favorite card games and miniature games, without miniatures even. How is that even possible? Um, other games in this group, Wiz War, and we have the Castle Ravenloft Dungeons & Dragons board game, and Yggdrasil, mm-hmm. which is actually a completely different fantasy uh, it's yeah, it's a cooperative, and it's but it's more of a, a yeah. What do you call it? A, a mythos, a religious mythos, where it's you're fighting the Norse gods. Yes. Um, I just wasn't impressed with that game. It's or, a co-op game. Yeah, Drew. I know it's a co-op game, but I don't see it. I wouldn't choose that. Um, Wiz War is it's another one of those games that goes back to my earlier days. Um, that's been through a lot of additions too. Mm-hmm. But but it's fascinating. You get to be a wizard and fight other wizards. Um, Summoner Wars. I wish I could. I know people have played it. I wish I could play it. But uh, so I can't go for that. But I'll, I'll fall back on D and D. 
because it's nice to see. It was a good implementation. It's a good implementation of Dungeons and Dragons to a tabletop board game uh, background. So that's your first choice. And what's your second one, Drew? Oh, Wiz War. Wiz I'm War. sorry, Wiz War. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do Wiz War just because the cards are so great and you really feel like you're a wizard throwing out a whole bunch of spells there. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. <sighs> Second one's a little hard. Um, I'm going to go with Yrgyzstrel just because the North mythology is something a little different, but you're actually getting to play with all the different characters from that realm. It's not just you're fighting one monster, you're fighting all of the gods and you and you can play as all of the heroes and you have all of their special weapons and abilities and it's that grandness of it you're trying to save the world so yeah i mean i i think i like yggdrasil but i i agree with drew i don't think to me it doesn't fit the traditional like what i'm thinking of as fantasy games because it's an existing mythos like when i put this list together you know we were cutting them down i cut cyclades and kemet for the same reason uh, yeah it's just it's hard Good games to, they are great games it's just hard to put them in with the other types of fantasy we're talking about, because these are like original worlds created by their authors and mm. not mythos that are two, three thousand years old that we're just drawing upon. Yeah. Um, to me, it's different, I, so I can't really give it to that. It's it's miles ahead of Lords of Waterdeep, um, though, incorporating theme. It's just oh, it's strongly thematic. When it yeah. comes right down to it, it's just another worker placement game, uh, but a very intricate one and hard. Yeah, <laughs> very hard. Uh, for me, it's got to be Summoner Wars number one. I love Summoner Wars. It's it's quick, it's easy, it's fast. It's two player game. You can play it in twenty minutes. Um, multiple multiple decks, different ways, customizable decks if you want them to be. Can be very complicated if you want to play it at a tournament level, tournament level, or very simple if you just want to teach somebody really fast and play its fast card game. So that's, and the theme really does come through with the different styles of play that each of these races has. Uh, the uh, between the other two, uh, it's a bit of a toss up, but I'm gonna go with Wizwar. I just honestly have more fun with that one, and you do feel like a wizard running yeah. around blasting each other. <laughs> so, Wizward is a fun game. That's an easy one for me. Um, then we got a three-way split. We do have a three-way split. So Wizward is in, mm. but everything else got a one vote. So, make your pitch. Yeah, everybody, just kind of sell your game, and we'll try one more time. So if anybody changes, the I don't. Line, it's but. hard to push D and D as a board game. Um, I'll, I'll back off and retire my vote from that. All right. Um, but I don't know what else to vote for. I've, I've played Norse gods, or but I've played Summoner game. Wars. So I'm just going to delete my vote and let you two guys fight it out. Oh, I see how it is. Yeah, it's going to abstain from the voting. If only Daniel was here, he would know what to do. Daniel would like Summoner Wars. You think? It's quicker and easier. Yeah, that's cooperative. He likes co-op games. Yeah, but it's long and hard. I know, that's what a co-op game is it, supposed to be. Yggdrasil takes like an hour to teach somebody how to play. Yeah. All right. Steep curve. All right, I'll give you some of wars on that. Yeah. Our All friend right. at Plot Hat Games, so. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to Group G. Uh, number one seed in this group is Rune Wars, another representative from the Terranoth universe. Uh, we also have Seasons and Lord of the Rings, the living card game, and Cheaty Mages. All right, guys. So Rune Wars is, well, epic is the best word I can use to describe this game. Think of old school classic battle games, seven hours at the table, multiple bathroom breaks, ordering pizza, <laughs> but in this vast open fantasy world with beautiful artwork, wonderful cards, miniatures everywhere, and just this tight, 
very compactly wound uh, battle system that just plain works over the course of seven rounds. It's it's an awesome game. If it didn't take so darn long, we would play it a lot more often. <laughs> sure. Um, Seasons I haven't played. Chris, that's you. Seasons is a great game. It's really colorful. has nice artwork. It's a card drafting game. So you'll be building a hand of magic. You'll be splitting the hands up so you can play different cards at different ages. You'll be trading those cards in for points. You'll be picking up tokens, which allows you to do your magical spells. A really interesting game. It flies under the radar because it doesn't have that um, well-known IP, but it's a great game. It has one of my favorite all-time mechanics, the rondelle. Yes. Um, where certain items are worth more at certain times of the year. Exactly. Um, great. Uh, so, so obviously that would be one of my favorites. And, and then the other is Cheaty Mages, because I think if you're going to immerse yourself in the fantasy world and uh, you know work alongside all these creatures and wizards, make some money off of them, <laughs> which is what that game is all about, Cheaty sure. Mages, making money off fantasy uh, beings. And then Lord of the Rings, the living card game, is another great game because you get to dive once again into the Lord of the Rings mythos, but which is always which is always fun for Drew. Uh, yeah. But since it's a living card game, you could actually take these different adventures, and this is a two-player game, and you're fighting against evil. You have all the different characters there. The artwork is amazing. It's a really good choice. Guess yeah. what? I know who wins. Uh, <laughs> I actually picked up. Lord of the Rings living card game the other day um, because apparently it's a very strong solo single player component to it because it's a storytelling game you're playing through yeah. chapter packs um, and the core game doesn't actually take place during the novels it takes place between Bilbo's birthday and when Gandalf comes for Frodo so it's not actually messing with the story itself right. it's telling other stories about filling other in the gaps yeah so it's it's a lot of fun it's very tight and it's hard like it's a hard game so um, and at this point, four or five years in, they have like 60-some-odd chapter packs. Sure. Mm -hmm. So if you like this game, it's very, very, very deep. Um, and it's in a world everybody already knows. So in terms of what I'm going to pick out of this group, Rune Wars for sure. That's an easy one for me. I love this game. I wish we got to play it more. And then I'm going to go with... Um, you know, I need at least one lighter game in here, too. So I'm going to go with Cheaty Mages. Ah. <sighs> it's got to be Rune Wars. There isn't a game as epic as Rune Wars. Maybe Defenders of the Realm kind of could match it, but Rune Wars is amazing. The second choice is going to be a little rough there, too. Lord of the Rings does a nice job with the living card game. Cheaty Mages is kind of fun because you're throwing different spells and things. Seasons tends to be a little heavy. Um, it's not something that you can kind of jump into. Hmm. This is pretty much a, a, a really rough pick. I'm going to go with Cheaty Mages just because it offers you, it offers a different audience an entrance level to fantasy. And it's a whole new way of treating fantasy, the fantasy element. You're coming at it from a different angle. Um, sort of light, but not quite like Munchkin. Um, it's, it's a financial game. It's got that economic angle. Yeah, so, it's quick. Um, yeah, it is. Really gross. hard group to pick through, too. Seasons and Cheaty Mages. Yep. Okay. So we have Rune Wars and Cheaty Mages moving on, but I think it was very close between all four. All four of them were really just amazing Any of these could have made it, yeah. All right, so the last group, Group H, we're going to dive right in here. Another great group, um, Mice and Mystics is on this list. This is a game we're going to review very soon. Uh, I've had this for a little while, and it's a 
you know, it's a cooperative dungeon crawl, but it's with mice against rats <laughs> and, and bugs. <laughs> so it's it's fun. It's cute. Um, Terra Mystica, which we reviewed uh, about six months ago, this is definitely a Euro by every definition of it. But it's it's got you know a, a solid fantasy backbone to it. I'm not going to say th- you know thorough theme because how much theme are you going to see in a Euro? But it is mm. for Euro. It does have a lot of fantasy going on there. Uh, Citadels has some characters that are fantasy based, especially when you but play it's... the second deck. When you play the witch and there's other characters like oh, that. Oh, more, yeah, you're getting yeah. deeper into that world. Um, yet, it's it's just a basic card game. It's a basic card game. Yeah. yeah. And then the Quarriers, which, again, could be called an, you know another basic kind of deck builder type of game, but... With dice. Yeah, yeah I think it's more than that. I mean, I... I the characters. I mean, you're you're more invested in the characters. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when you throw in the, that third expansion, the quarterfacts with the questing, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes even more fantasy thematic. Yeah. So. So I would I would go with Warriors. Um, Terra Mystica. I haven't really chosen any really deep, heavier games, but um, I love. You know, you can immerse yourself in that game. Okay. Um, and in the fantasy, I think. I'm gonna jump in for Terra Mystica. And Mice and Mystics, because it offers a lot of theme in a little box. Especially if they're little mice, because then <laughs> it's really compact. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Chris. Um, we have another straight agreement group. No fighting here. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't choose Mice and Mystics, though. I didn't go with that. You, you didn't. You didn't. Warriors. Uh, um, I need to play more of that, because I wasn't impressed so far with the taste I've had of Mice and Mystics. Okay. It just seems like a, a hack and slay type of game i want to see more of it yeah we definitely need to dig in more um i've gone three or four chapters in i know we just played the first chapter together thus far it definitely gets deeper and the further you get into the story the more involved you get it becomes more i know you got to give a credit for that that with with the recordings and everything it really wants to it wants you to immerse yourself in the fantasy world yeah and i think around chapter two to three is when i really got like really sucked in so after that tutorial chapter so mice and mystics is if i'm going to play a a dungeon crawl and there's plenty of chapters for the amount of time i play these games um (laughs) that's one of my favorites and then terra mystic is just one of the best games i've played in the last couple years period great okay all right so that is the end of a group play we now have our 16 finalists, and we're going to bracket them up. We'll come back, and we'll run through and see who comes out number one. Alrighty, we are back. I have randomized all of the seeds. Uh, we're not going to try to measure them out, because I don't think we kept track. Uh, but we have everything broken down, 1 we, to 16. We measured it by magic. Ooh, nice. See what I did? Same, Anthony waved the wand. <laughs> I used the Magic Internet's uh, free tournament bracket creator thing. Um, Which is magic. I don't know. We could always seed it by the BGG ranking. If you want to go do that, <laughs> we'll just keep talking. Uh, as you can tell, we recorded that live, so there is no time to fix the bracket. It is what it is. There are some unfair matchups in here. In their um, end... There can be only one. There can be only one. Yes. All right. So first up, the number one seed, according to this thingamajig, and the number 16 seed, <laughs> War of the Ring versus Terra Mystica. That uh, seems about appropriate. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to throw out War of the Ring there. Terra Mystica is a nice game. It's a great Euro. It has some theme, theme as far as picking the characters, but when you play your race, 
you're really not playing your race. You're doing something slightly kind of relatable, but not much. I'm going to go with Terra Mystica. It's a solid game, and I don't like Lord of the Rings games. <laughs> As we've established. Um, I, however, do, so War of the Ring it shall be. All right. <laughs> and you know I'm going to vote against it every single round. Just eventually one of us for that. might also do that. All right, next up we have Game of Thrones, living card game versus Dungeon. As much as I like Dungeon as a classic, um, I think I think the Game of Thrones, the living card game, has implemented the the culture, the world of that of Westeros beautifully. Uh, I get right into it, enjoy it, especially because it's based on the books and not the TV. I'm gonna have to go the other way. I love Game of Thrones, but most of the time you are just playing lords and ladies and knights. Dungeon, you're actually playing fantasy. You're facing fantasy creatures. And other than the dragons and an occasional creature here and there, Dungeon is the better fantasy game. Uh, I've been reading Game of Thrones since 97, 98, whenever they first started coming out. And this, to me, is like redefined what fantasy is in the last 15 years. And so I'm gonna gotta, I gotta go Game of Thrones because it's like the perfect gaming implementation of uh, the book series. All right, next up we have Rune Wars versus Munchkin. Uh, so the heaviest game on the list versus the lightest this should be interesting yeah uh, Rune Wars is just too heavy Um, you want to be able to enjoy your fantasy so uh, it's the most Munchkin's the most enjoyable fantasy game out there I'll go with that I disagree heavily (laughs) it is a fantasy game and it's out there I don't know about the most enjoyable Um, fun I'm not gonna fun I'm not gonna bring the Munchkin hate like some people like to do I don't hate it I just there's a lot of games on this list I would pick instead of Munchkin in a lot of circumstances. This is a hard one, though, because there are also very few circumstances in which I would play Rune Wars. Mm. But I am going to go with Rune Wars because I, I've had a lot more fun with them. I have a lot of love for Munchkin, as the listeners know, and own a good chunk of Munchkin. <laughs> a good chunk of Munchkin. <laughs> The only reason I'm going to end up going for Rune Wars is because so much of Munchkin tends to be topical. Like, the joke is topical. You know, it's it's kind of current, everyday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it does pull away from the fantasy just because it's trying to make a joke that we would all understand in this day and age. So And Rune Wars is just theme with theme sauce with theme <laughs> gratings on top of theme dipped and then in theme and deep fried and theme and there's some theme on the side too which is also you know one of these days you, they'll make you pay they're going to come out with a rune wars munchkin see that i i could see steve jackson doing that because he's starting to do that with some of his games so that's going to happen i would play that i would buy that <laughs> well we know you'd buy that i would buy it <laughs> okay so moving on rune wars uh next up mice and mystics versus defenders of the realm I'm just going to go ahead and start this. Mice and Mystics, come on. All right, so I'm going to follow up with Defenders of the Realms. Oh, come on. Come on. No. <laughs> it's co-op. Come on. It's co-op. It's co-op. Defenders, they're both co-ops. Mine's better. Mine has better pieces and things. That's unlikely. Oh, you will see, my friend. I painted oh, mine. Mice and Mystics have mice. Is that what it's all about? I painted them. I painted them. Play Cinderella the board game. That has mice. (laughs) That's harsh, man. It's got spiders, too. And it's fantasy. Cinderella's a fantasy game. You know, it's fantasy. I don't know if there's a real Cinderella game, but I'm just saying. But if there was, it'd be Mice of Mystic. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he's saying. Uh, 
Yeah, I haven't played Defenders of the Realm, so I can't make fun of it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the perfect <laughs> defense! Damn it! Alright, I will defend Defenders of the Realm. There you go. Alright. Stupid Mycid Mystics <laughs> not being serious enough for you guys. Alright, Dungeons and Dragons versus Cheaty Mages. Well, that's actually a good seating. Yeah, that Two works. Two versus 15, that's good. That works out. Uh, um, I could see Cheaty Mages... Well, it is basically Dungeons and Dragons, taking all these Dungeons and Dragons characters and creating the world. But you got to go with the original Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I agree. Uh, only RPG on our list, so it's got to represent. And Cheaty Mages, it's a light game. It's fun. It's cute, but Dungeons and Dragons is it's iconic. It's a part of my uh, childhood. For me, I mean, Cheaty Mages does a nice job in what it tries to do, and I mean, obviously, this is this is like. You know, it's not apples and oranges. This is kind of like a semi truck versus an orange. So, <laughs> running you know, over an orange. Yeah, running over the orange. So, just by that alone, it's got to be Dungeons and Dragons. But even beyond that, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you are playing the character, and it's just by miles. Yeah. All right. So that was an easy one. Uh, next up, two games that probably fit pretty well together: Myth or Tales of the Arabian Nights. Well, you got your box of fun, which really has a nice dungeon crawl, has all the miniatures that you could possibly want. Or a box of misery. Yeah, a box of misery. That's true, too. It's so... Just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. But... <laughs> <laughs> so as, as far as bad things happening, whether it's little creatures popping up or Arabian Nights kind of craziness, I'm going to go with some Arabian Nights. Yeah, you can, you can um, collect skills and abilities, which will help you through the game. Um, you can tailor, you can scale the game shorter, longer, and I think it scales well for more people or fewer. I love it for creating that world. Yeah, I think what we have here too is two very different styles of storytelling game. One which is very heavily dependent on the players telling their own story, and one which tells you a great story that you're then part of and mm -hmm. you can help shape. Sure. Um, Tell the Arabian Nights very much a part of my childhood too i read that book and all the stories in it over and over again so i'm gonna go with tales of the arabian nights i think this is just one of the more fun storytelling games that exists out there yeah. and it's a little bit less work than myth overall just in terms of telling that story and um yeah misery aside it's it's a fun game uh next up on the list summoner wars versus wiz war so for me this is a no-brainer it's summoner wars uh I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, Wiz Wars is a fun game. It's definitely a little bit older, though. It's got that, you know, it's... You can end up in kind of a crunch where you're just chasing each other around the board. It's Ameritrash. It's early Ameritrash, though. It's... I don't know. It's not as finely tuned as some of the more recent yeah. games using similar mechanics. Um, they both very much feel fantasy to me, but Summoner Wars is just... It's faster. You're going at each other fast, and such thematic decks so that's an easy one for me I've never played Summoner Wars but I would have to concede that it, it's a much stronger one Wiz Wars is just your light you know I still think of it in, in the Parker Brothers Milton Bradley kind of world um, it's fun and light but not really involved in that world as much I've played both and they both have a, you know, a lot of strong elements to it Summoner Wars has a lot of different races you can play as, which is which is fun. Wiz Wars has a lot of nice spells you can cast. So there's a lot of nice little chits which you can throw on the board and things you can transform into. So it really does own the being a wizard in that kind of situation where there's just unlimited power and unlimited things you can do. So they're both unlimited as far as their reach. It's it's a it's a hard it's a hard one there. 
but just because and only because the amount of races Summoner Wars would move on. Last one in this initial round here, Small World versus Ascension. The two polar ends of the artistic <laughs> scale. Oh, yeah. yeah. Total cutesy versus abstract. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd go with Small World on that um, because it, it covers the wide range of fantasy. Um, not just with the the races, but the the characteristics, and it allows you to to reconstitute them in so many different ways. Yeah, um, I like Small World, but Ascension to me is to me thus far it's been my favorite deck building game. I still play it on the iPad. Um, I've liked every expansion for it. It's just it's a strong, very involved thematic deck builder that I think is a very good entry in the uh, fantasy scape, even if the artwork has something to be desired. And for me, it's not just the... I mean, the challenge with, with Ascension, in part, is not just the artwork, but at least initially, and I, and I know it's been somewhat corrected in later versions, but you're just buying the most powerful card a lot of times, and it's not really as strategy as I, I would probably want for a deck builder game, so I'm going to have to go Small World. I can concede that one. I'm not going to argue it. <laughs> I would rather play Ascension. Uh, I think some of the newer versions of it fix that problem pretty thoroughly. So. Yeah, but, you know, we're talking about a lot of different expansions for all the games, too. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small World's a good game, though. Not the Underground expansion, though. Don't like it. Okay. Fair enough. I haven't right. played it, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that finishes up round one there. First up in round two, we're in the final eight here, we have War of the Ring, a very thematic licensed game based on one of the most epic fantasy stories ever told versus the exact same thing from 80 years later game of thrones living card game so we have honestly these are very close in terms of how well they pull the thematics of each book series they both uh really draw on the feelings and emotions of those books and the style of the writer so it's a tough one for me yeah it's 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 absolutely old fantasy versus new fantasy. And for both authors, they definitely invoke such a powerful, rich, thick world and really, really, really thick books. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can't, you know, obviously this is getting hard. And this is really nice how this, this bracket worked out because I don't know if you could find a better competition for War of the Ring than Game of Thrones Living Card Game. For me... This is really hard because they're really both are so deep on fantasy. But as far as gameplay goes, being that War of the Ring lets you do different things depending on what side you're on, I'm going to go with War of the Ring. I'm going against it just on principle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've already stated. But um, George R.R. Martin has had a tougher time writing since you happen to bring it up than Tolkien. Tolkien was just toiled in obscurity and wrote whenever he could and still his family's estate is still publishing stuff from his notes martin has the whole world scrutinizing him sure poor guy i feel sorry for him so i'm gonna vote for his game <laughs> uh i could flip a coin on this one honestly um i feel like war of the rings gonna end up being a better game in my opinion just long term but i've only played it the one time so it's it's hard to say you know, long term. I've played Game of Thrones a dozen times, two dozen times, and really like it. Have played every, you know, every family there. So that is by far my favorite 
at least my favorite LCG and probably one of my favorite fantasy games, period. But War of the Ring is just such a good game. Mm. Um, I mean, I think I think they're evenly matched as far as invoking their fantasy world. You know, War of the Ring as far as, you know, Frodo has his own mission and he has his own thing that he's doing. And then the armies of light, they're, they're doing their own thing and they have their own mechanic. The, the Shadow Army, obviously, they're doing their own thing. And then in Game of Thrones, you, you have the same type of thing as far as mechanics are concerned, too, because the Starks have that, that powerful military, the Lannisters, you go for the intrigue as far as that's concerned. So there's oh, they, each of them have different mechanics as far as how they play. It's really a, a tough match both ways. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, only because I've played it more. I think I'm gonna go with Game of Thrones this time. Yeah, I mean, War of the Good, Ring. We've finally seen the last of that. I think so. I think <laughs> War of the Ring is a better game, but on a personal level, uh, it takes. I mean, yeah, you can you can play a lot more Game of Thrones and still enjoy it as a fantasy game, uh, even if you've played it a dozen times. Whereas the War of the Ring, it takes it's a lot of work. Mm. It is a lot of work, yeah, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Um, all right, so moving on to the next level here, we have Rune Wars versus Defenders of the Realm. Now, this is another great matchup because Rune Wars is this beautiful board with beautiful miniatures invoking these fantasy elements and these and this war that's going on. And the same thing is true for Defenders of the Realm, where you're having beautiful miniatures, beautiful elements, monsters and heroes, a lot of different abilities, a lot of great text both great universes. Uh, I don't want to go first. <laughs> uh, I will. Rune Wars. All right, there you go. <laughs> no, Easy. It's, it's another one of those I don't want to get into games. It's like I don't want to start. Um, just just hearing that name, it's like <laughs> too much. Um, whereas uh, Defenders of the Realm, maybe it's because you know, I'm, I'm more into it. I can understand that. Sure. Grasp it. Why? Why does it have to come back? Yeah, this is really rough. Um, I think just because it tells a a better, more coherent story, whereas the other one is just very choppy as far as you accomplish this, you accomplish that, and it turns out that if you put all those things together, it's a win. I'm going to go with Defenders. All right, next up we have Dungeons & Dragons versus Tales of the Arabian Nights. Mm. Once again, another great matchup. It's all about story. It's storytelling, yeah. Um, the cool thing about Dungeons & Dragons is it, it devolves upon one person, the Dungeon Master, to tell that story. So if you have a really good DM, it's a, it's a beautiful story. And if you're playing a campaign and not just walking into a, a, a cave and killing monsters... Um, yeah, you really immerse yourself in that story. So it's it's got a lot more going for it in that sense than Arabian Nights does. Now, obviously, it depends on the edition you're playing, whether it's, you know, 3.5, 4.0, if it's the new Dungeons & Dragons, if it's Pathfinder or one of its other multitude of clones, you're going to have a different experience, whether it's good or not. I'm a campaign guy, yeah. yeah. Very retro. S- Tales of Arabian Nights does does so many things so well. But it's a just it's just a little too random, and I have to go D and D. Oh, the 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 DM sitting behind his screen rolling dice that's that's yeah, not random. But you know the, but... the book, as far as it's concerned, it, yeah. it should have some eternal logic. I like it does. Yeah, I like the fact that Tales 
really weaves this amazing story where you never know what's going to come next and really interesting characters come out and you do find that in D&D too but at least I feel like I am a character whereas Raby Knight sometimes just things are happening to me and it doesn't really determine who I am well the randomness in, in D&D is is explainable sure. um you're presented with a situation, you make a choice, and the dungeon master rolls the dice, and you know it's either going to be this or that. Whereas stuff in Arabian Nights come out of left field. That <laughs> it's just, <laughs> what? What? Why? Why would that happen? Oh, man. Yeah, I think with the right group, Dungeons and Dragons is always going to be more fun than Tales of the Arabian yeah, Nights. Sure. Uh, it doesn't matter what group you're in with Tales. It's, it can be a tough time. You just have to hold on to the table and yeah, just take yeah. the ride. That's too long for how tough it can That's be. That's true. Uh, so I'm going to go D&D too there. That's an easy one for me. Last one in this group, we have Summoner Wars versus Small World. This is another great bracket here too because you're talking about area control. You're talking about different races in battle against each other and how their special abilities come into play. Both great games. I love them both. I played them both. Maybe just because Small World plays with more players, and I happen to like the artwork a lot better there, and it does have a lot of different ways in which you can play the game, whereas Summoner Wars is kind of bound to that two-player board. I'm going to go Small World. Yeah, imagine taking any of these other fantasy games, and you have all these races, and every time you play it, the races behave differently, and they... You know, that's what Small World does. It mixes it up and uh, keeps it fresh. I like it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would go with Summoner Wars, even though the decision's already been made. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, again, every every reason I've given before, Summoner Wars just really strikes me as a strong thematic fantasy game. But, alas, it is no more <laughs> in our combat. That game goes into decline. It does. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so we have our final four: Game of Thrones, Living Card Game, uh, Defenders of the Realm, Dungeons and Dragons, and Small World. Ooh. So we're gonna have the two semifinals, and then we'll pick a finalist: uh, Game of Thrones, Living Card Game versus Defenders of the Realm. Um, I haven't played Defenders, so I've got to go Game of Thrones. That's about it. That's my argument. Drew and I have played both of these. so Yeah, this is where I'd, I would abandon Game of Thrones at this point. Defenders of the Realm, um, I just think has, I don't know, it's got more of the elements of gaming that you like. You're not tied to a particular story. You create your own story, I guess. I think for me, too, it's got to be Defenders, just because a lot of the elements of Game of Thrones that come into play aren't fantasy elements. They're more intrigue and betrayal and backstabbing. and It's diplomacy yeah, it's in diplomacy Westeros. Yeah, and stuff like that, which which is true, but it, Defenders of the Realm is fantasy through and through. Yeah. yeah. Right. I knew that was coming, but... <laughs> you held out as If War of the Ring had been the other one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what would you have voted for? Oh, man. I wish I could have said, but it's not there. <laughs> but if it was... <laughs> I know what you would have voted for, yeah, Drew, yeah, so there's, yeah, yeah. there's no reason to go down that road. I'm just wondering if I could have knocked off this game that I don't know anything about. Just remember, there's only one bracket. One bracket to rule them all. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's this one, so you have to go along with it. Dang it. See? Puns! I, I gotta look ahead, man. <laughs> I took the wrong bet. All right, Dungeons and Dragons versus Small World. What do you guys think? 
So once again, apples and oranges here. <laughs> I know, that's a tough uh, one. And the truck ran over that orange, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truck ran over that orange. Yeah, yeah. Small World is fun for light, a light game, but if I want real fantasy, I can sink my teeth into. Um, and again, I have to stress, it's got to be the campaign. Um, Small World is just a... Um, you know, snack food that you eat and it's that's it. But boy, it's a heavy meal. It's a steak. Dungeons and Dragons is sink your teeth. Well, <laughs> I don't think Small World is such a snack, but you're right. I mean, it, it is definitely a lighter jump into there and, and tasty. But it's tasty, but you know, not being a meat eater for me. Maybe Dungeons and Dragons is a really great salad. So right. it has a lot of elements to it. It has a lot of different flavors to it. You know, it's something you could always mix up. You can change it up a bit, and you're always going to be surprised with it. So I'm going to go with Dungeons and Dragons. Me too. What? <laughs> That's what? All I got. That was a brave. That was a brave call there. It was a brave call. <laughs> well, the problem is, is that two of the four final games I don't really know that well. So. Uh. Apparently, I'm playing the wrong games. <laughs> you guys got to bring these games over that I have not tried. Um, I like Small World. I think it's a fun game. But yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, come on. It's. I mean, when we put this bracket together, we kind of assumed it would look like this towards the end. At least having D and D towards the top for good reason. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just that iconic that. Um, it's just yeah. I don't know. There's so many different ways to play it. It's it's infinite, and all the permutations minus a couple additions are. Just fantastic parts of my gaming history. So D&D's got to be D&D. I'm going to go the other way. Now, and I think you... Actually, Anthony, you mentioned this earlier, which is it depends on the group. And I think that's a really big element to D&D. I've played a lot of D&D in a lot of different versions. And Drew said this too. It depends on the dungeon master. It depends on the people you're playing with. How long can you get through the campaign? Is it you know 3.5 or 4.0? Do we know the system? D did it work out well that night? How are the characters? Is everyone really in character? Are they really playing their hearts out? Do you know the background? It There's so much that can go really right with it, and it is the quintessential type of fantasy game. But as far as a fantasy game that you can always play and it always invokes the theme because the players do calculate so much into the final situation and and because the different editions do play so much into it I'm going to defend the realm because <laughs> I throw that down and I'm going to get a solid play we're playing as a team we have the fantasy characters with us we're fighting evils coming we're defending the realm we have the castles we have the hero quest the miniatures are beautiful the card quality is great and it's a game that's lasted so long and really nothing has changed to it other than just adding more characters to it so it's stand the test of time it's Richard Lanius you can't really do much better than that so I'm going to be defending the realm that's you Drew um, well I was a dungeon master so this affects my decision I always had fun whatever side of the screen I was on I enjoyed it because there was so much more to the world that you created than just going out and capturing monsters. We, we would go to towns. We would, you know, one night we had a, a gaming night where, okay, we go into a tavern and we play some games of chance. So we got the cards out. We did a few other things. We, we had fun and we played with, with real 
in our version, money, you know, the platinum and the electrum and the, all of that. Um, and we had fun. You can, you can do so much with a campaign, a world of Dungeons and Dragons. And yes, it's got to be the classic, the campaign. And I'm, I'm trusting that version five is going to be a throwback to the best uh, of what it used to be. Uh, because you can do so much more than than any normal board game can be, I would have to always go with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, because the potential is unlimited for what you can do with that. All right. So it turns out that our World Cup of Fantasy Games the winner is no surprise, <laughs> but Dungeons and Dragons. All right. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Congratulations, Wizards of the Coast, and your to you, of money. And to you and your multiple, multiple, endless number of children throughout the universe of different iterations, Pathfinder and all those other types that came from you. Yeah, really. The grandfather of, of all RPGs. Yeah, and I don't think... It's, it's tough to think of another game that could have uh, taken that spot. Like, what else is that iconic when you're talking about fantasy? It depends. You know, everything has a little bit of a benefit there. I think Defenders of the Realm definitely deserve to stand up there. Magic has the popularity, but maybe not the theme. Rune Wars and War of the Ring have that beautiful table play where all the characters and you really feel like you're playing something. The living card games, whether it's Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, have those packs where you're always going deeper and deeper into the books and you really do feel like you're, you're yeah. growing in that way so there's a lot of different types of fantasy worlds you can get into and anything on this list would be a great opportunity for you to kind of get involved in the fantasy theme and there's literally every flavor you could possibly want yeah so depending on the kind of people you're playing with the ages you could find something uh tailored to everybody absolutely yeah yeah i think that's a great list and um there's just a lot of different types of fantasy in there, and ironically, that final eight kind of really matched up really well. So if you're looking for like a different, if you want a strongly thematic game, you've got War of the Ring or Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones LCG. If you want a big epic fantasy immersion, you got Rune Wars or Defenders of the Realm. If you want a strong storytelling game, Dungeons and Dragons or Tales of the Arabian Nights. Yeah. And if you want something a little quicker, not necessarily light, but not quite as Headfirst fantasy immersive. You've got Summoner Wars and Small World, so that that list of eight right there that'll take you far. Keep in mind, fantasy games tend to be on the more expensive side of the scale um, because there is so much involved in components, but it just adds to the richer experience that you have uh, with it. Even a storytelling game like Tales of the Arabian Nights, incredible components, and the books, which are so richly detailed that. All of these things go toward building that fantasy world that you want. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, there's a reason this is one of our favorite genres, and these are some of our favorite games. Um, now that we've finished our brackets and argued over what we think is best, though, we want you guys to tell us who you think you should have won, which game you think should have won on Board Game Geek. So get in the guild. We're going to post this. We'll have the full bracket there. I'll post pictures of my goofy little website I created the bracket on. <laughs> we'll have all the groups, and we want to know who you would have picked out of those groups, and then who you would have picked throughout that bracket, because I'm sure there are plenty of spots in there where you disagree. 
Um, as uh, as we've already seen, we can be wrong in some ways. So uh, tell us. Well, we're not wrong, wrong here, but <laughs> you can say we're wrong, and we'll, we're happy to defend ourselves. Um, <laughs> in the realm, or and even if there's a game we didn't include in the first place that you think should have been in that 32, um, I'm sure there's plenty of amazing fantasy games out there that we haven't played that should have made this list. So let us know what they are. We'll argue over it and in four years I guess <laughs> we're still recording this oh, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll have a world fantasy cup game tabletop games of a 2018 that might listen over time some games fall out of favor and there's going to be a lot of good fantasy games that come out in those four years so yeah let's do this again alright alright guys so that's everything we're going to have for this week um, big epic episode here obviously in two weeks, we're going to be back with Mice and Mystics, our full feature review, once we get through a few chapters of that. Um, we've also hit up a few other fun thematic games lately. Uh, Rise of Augustus, Colosseum, that old Days of Wonder game that's unfortunately out of print. Um, a couple other fun games that we've gotten to the table. So check back in two weeks. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitter, uh, connect with us on Facebook, and um, hook up with us on Board Game Geek. Tell us what your favorite fantasy games are. So for this week, that is all. This is Anthony. This is Chris. And this is Drew, who hates Lord of the Ring games. (laughs) And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the group of death. (laughs) (laughs) Which we couldn't agree on for some reason. (laughs) They're all groups of death. (laughs) I thought that one was definitely a group of death. Which one was that? That Well, E was the one I thought. Yeah, E for you, but E was an easy decision for me. For me, it was um, C.